Thank you. Well, I have two things to tell you about. Thank you, Waki. This is good. No. <laughs> the camera guys would freak out if I did that. So some of you might not know, um, this year I've been given an additional role in what I do, which is to be the Youth Alive Regional Leader for the Greater Penrith Region. And so what I've been doing is pulling together and building relationship with youth pastors from churches all the way from Mount Druitt all the way up to about Springwood and even some over the mountain. And uh, we've got a combined night coming up. In two Fridays' time, we won't be having our church service here on the Friday night. Instead, we're combining with all these other youth ministries over at Imaginations Church, and we're going to celebrate that God is on the move in our churches. COVID has been really discouraging for so many of us, but God is doing things, and we need to celebrate that. And there's something so good in our young people especially, but I think all ages. It encourages us to know God's moving over there. God's moving over there. He's not just doing stuff with us. He's doing stuff over there too. We don't need to be discouraged that the kingdom of God is faltering. Actually, no, this is the time where it is building ever stronger. So two Fridays time, we're going to be doing that. We won't be here. So if you've got kids, uh, young people, who normally come here on a Friday night. We're not going to be here. We're going to be an Imaginations Church. If you need more information, talk to a huddle leader or myself. The second thing is on July 8th, 9th and 10th, we have our Winter Camp Raw event, the Rally of a Region. And in a similar tone, we're going to be going all the way out to Bathurst. And I consider this sort of like a local missions trip. Because there's, a, there's so many great churches out in the country, but they don't have super strong youth ministries. Or if they do, there's only a handful of young people there. And there's something about young people where you need to know that you're a part of something big. Me as a young family man now, I've got three kids. I'm 30 this year. I'm like, I'm happy to just stay home. I'm cool. We've got you know, our, our vibe going on. We can have a movie night or whatever. I, I don't need to know that there are, there's that bigger community out there. But as a young person, oh man, I did. Oh, I needed to know that there was other people like me. Could you imagine being the only Christian in your school, the only Christian in your town, the only young person in your church and not knowing, is this what young people do? Is this cool? Is this worth it? Like, am I going to waste my time giving into this? Well, what we're going to do in the vibe of a missions trip is we're going to go out there. We're taking a group of our young people and our leaders and we're going to put on a rally. And we're rallying together all of those smaller churches all together to say, guess what? You are not alone. God can do something where you are too. You don't have to move to the city to see what God's doing. He's working in us. He's working in you. And I'm really excited about that. And so hopefully by next weekend, we're going to open our registration for RAW. Uh, it's $40 to attend our winter camp. That's because we're feeding you breakfast, lunch, dinner, and second breakfast on the Sunday. Uh, all the snacks in between. And so we've got an early bird price of $40 for all of that uh, by the 10th of June. And if you haven't uh, registered by then, the price is going to have to go up because it's last minute organizing. And we don't want to do that to Nicola. Amen? Amen. Awesome. So we will let you know when the registrations are open for that. But I'm very excited. All right, so this morning, to get into my message, uh, I need to have a bit of a rant. Is that okay? 
If you get triggered by people ranting, maybe just ignore me for the next five minutes. But I want to talk to you today about hidden costs. Hidden costs. Now, I, I'm a bit of a gamer. Uh, I, I used to be a lot of a gamer. And then I was not a gamer because I had young kids and I had no time for it. But now I'm in the blessed season of my five and three-year-old. Now they can play Xbox. And so I'm starting to be a bit of a gamer. It's probably a good balance. It mostly consists of Minecraft and Lego games, uh, but they are awesome. And so I'm loving that. It's a good season for me. Geordie, maybe not so appreciative. But I used to play uh, a fair bit of iPhone games, uh, particularly the Clash games, you know, Clash of Clans, Clash Royale. You know, I may, maybe I made it to Master League Clash Royale, just subtle flex. But um, I, I was pretty committed to those games. But I, I've noticed a trend in games, particularly mobile games. O originally, they came out that there was paid games, you know. This is following the traditional model of all computer games before it. You pay, you pay money then you get the game. Fair enough. If you want the game, you pay the money, you know, then you can play it as many, as many hours as you want. And, uh, but it didn't really take off so well in the mobile sphere. So what they did was they introduced like a free version, which was a limited version of the game, and then you could pay to unlock the full game. And it's like, yeah, okay, I like that. You know, give me a taste. Do I like this game? Am I going to willing, you know, put hours into it on uh, my favourite gaming chair, the toilet? And... <laughs> And so you could, you could get a feel and then you could pay for the game if, if you wanted the whole thing. But then came in the era of microtransactions. Oh, yuck. Everyone say yuck. Microtransactions. So now you'd get a game. It's a free game. Well, cool. I'll play a free game. And sure enough, you can play one level and it says, if you want to play, unlock the rest of this world, you can pay $4.99. And it's like, okay, fine, this is, I'm used to this free version, full game, I can do that. And so they would put like limited content behind a paywall. Fair enough. But then there was like, you'd be playing a game and you're like, oh, why does everyone else so much cooler than me? They've got, they, their stuff looks cooler. And you find out, oh, they, they've got a different skin, you know, different outfit or different building design, and oh yeah, that's $2.99 if you want to get, buy a new skin. So of course, you don't want to be the vanilla skin guy, right? No, noobs, you don't be a vanilla skin. That's someone who, you know, you don't take your gaming seriously. You've got to pay and get the, the better skin. And so then there was all these skins that you can pay for. And then you'd play a game and you'd get utterly stomped, which means like badly defeated in gamer talk. And you're like, what's going on? And you realize... Oh, they've got way better gear than me. Why don't I have that better gear? Oh, for $9.99, you can unlock the better gear pack and you can pay to be super equipped and then you can actually stand a chance against all the people who are also paying to be better in the game. Upgrading your gear, upgrading your levels. And then my absolute least favorite microtransaction, you're playing a game, you've already paid for the skins, you've already paid for the upgrades, you've unlocked all the content, and then you hit a time wall. Oh, yes, you've, you've used up your number of attempts on this level today. Wait 12 hours before you can try again. Or you can buy this pack of elixirs to restore your energy so you can keep playing. And they just get you microtransaction, microtransaction. Pretty soon, a little iPhone game that should have cost you $5 it costs you 100 I know there are people who pay $100 a week to play mobile games on iPhone. Yeah, just to keep it up. It's, it's crazy. Now, 
EA Games, a very big gaming studio, did the unforgivable sin a few years ago. They took a beloved classic, Star Wars Battlefront. Who played the original Star Wars Battlefronts? Some of the best games of my childhood. So, the space battles. A game where you can get in a spaceship, fly out into space, dogfight people in the air, board the enemy ship, get out and blow up their ship from the inside. They why don't games do more of that? It's so good. Anyway, they remade them and we were hyped. Man, the fan community was so excited. This is going to be the best. We're so keen. Sure enough, I remember Battlefront 2 came out, the remake. $99. Yeah, that's what games cost. Fair enough. I'll pay 100 bucks for a really good quality game that I love to play. But then EA Games did the unthinkable. And they riddled the game with microtransactions. So not only did you pay a full top cost for premium, a premium game, but in order to actually compete, to actually be good, you had to buy these loot crates over and over and over. And it was an outrage in the community. Honestly, you go to Reddit, people are just ripping into them. We're boycotting EA games. This is so bad. It was so bad that in order to salvage the franchise, they had to hire a new development team to rework the game and get rid of the microtransactions. Yeah, horrible. Hidden costs, am I right? Now, I had another situation of a hidden cost hit me the other day. I went to Stir Crazy Noodle Bar. I like my noodles. And I went in there for lunch with Judah and Ben. And uh, yeah, Ben knows. And uh, I'm like, whoa, my favorite noodle box, which was $14, is now $17. Okay, that's inflation. But I thought, okay, fine. You know, I get that. Costs go up, Big Macs are not cheap anymore. And so I bought my noodle box for $17. And when I paid for it, I looked at the receipt and realized I'd paid $18.32. And I'm like, hold up. $17 box of noodles, why did it cost me $18.32? I look on the receipt and I see an item I've never seen before called a supply chain levy. I'm like, what? Sure enough, because of all the supply chain issues and things getting into the country, people are now chucking a supply chain levy on their prices. But it's not advertised beforehand. It's just when you pay for it, all of a sudden you paid another couple of dollars. I mean, tell me my noodle box is going to be $18.32. Don't tell me my noodle box is going to be $17 and then whack an extra hidden cost on it, right? Our re revolution. No. I, I was shocked at the noodle revolution. Georgia was telling me she's preparing for her wedding in 32 days or something. I only know that because Ethan shared the day on Friday. But uh, she was telling me with caterers, she's tried eight different caterers, and only one of them included all the costs in the per head count. All the rest was like, yeah, it's $42 a head, but then it's an extra three grand for the labor. And then if you want us to wash the dishes, that's an extra $1,000 on top of that. Caterers who don't wash the dishes at a wedding, that's not part of the package these days. All these hidden costs, man, gets me riled up. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. I want to talk about hidden costs in the kingdom today. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 14. Uh, Jesus, there's a large crowd that have amassed. Jesus has been doing miracles, signs and wonders. He's teaching these incredible things. And so all of these gathering is happening people are seeing the crowd is growing it's growing it's growing and they're following him around watching what he's doing and uh, in verse 25 we read this it says now great crowds accompanied him and he turned to them and said to them 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Can you imagine this conversation? Jesus turns to Simon Peter. He says, hey, Simon, how are your parents? I hate them. How's your wife? Oh, I hate her as well. The kids? Yep, hate them too. How's your mother-in-law? Do I even need to say it? <laughs> this, is, this is a challenging thing that Jesus has said. Because he is literally contradicting himself. Because he's prior taught you should honour your father and mother. And now he's saying you should hate your father and mother. He's literally contradicting. Now, <clears throat> today's time, hate and love, there's a lot of emotional attachment to that. But back then, to love something was to show it respect and honour. And to hate something was to shame it or, or disrespect it. So it's not quite as emotionally attached, but it's still a, a stark contrast that these people would have been shocked by. It's like, what are you saying, Jesus? How, how are you contradicting yourself? He's saying the opposite thing to what he, he'd usually said. And I, don't know, I don't know about you, but I'd be very confused. I take people, what they say, very seriously. So why would Jesus want to be so provocative? Well, let me unpack what I think is going on here. See, Jesus had his disciples. Oh, here, did this come up before? Oh, let's go through it again because I put a lot of effort into making it. Hey, Simon, how are your parents? Hate them. How's the wife? Oh, I hate her as well. Oh, the kids? Yep, hate them too. How's your mother-in-law? Do I even need to say it? Do you like the uh, at symbols? Yeah. Jesus of Naz 316. I thought that was pretty cool. Anyway, that would have been hilarious if you came up the first time, but that's okay. It's all right. It's hard work. Those guys up the back there, they do really good. No judgment. If you want to join that team, you absolutely should. This is a good reason to. No, I'm just kidding. Anything to motivate them, right? That's it. If you want to see this done right, join the BSP team. I don't even know who's on today. It's Michaela. <laughs> Sorry, Mac. We'll, we'll console you over lunch. So Jesus has got his disciples and he has laid it out for them. Come and follow me. Lay down your nets. Give it all up. Come and follow me. But now there's this huge crowd of followers. All of these people who were sort of just freeloading off it. It's like... Jesus is going to heal me for free? You know, this, I can get all this stuff. It doesn't really cost me anything to follow Jesus. They're just following him around, being part of the crowd, going with the flow. It's, it's convenient for them at the time. Oh, I can just go home and come back tomorrow, whatever. And I think maybe this is frustrating Jesus a little bit because he's realizing there's all these people that are following him, but not actually following him. They don't understand that it costs something to be a follower of Jesus. And so he's decided to be really provocative and say, well, you, if you're going to follow me, you've got to hate the people that you would think that you love. 
And I think what he's meaning is that there needs to be a deliberate preference of priority in your life. Then there needs to be a number one, which is following Jesus. Everything else must come second to following Jesus. And this doesn't just apply to sin. We think, oh, yes, you know, I've got to put Jesus above my addiction or above my sin or my shame, my guilt, whatever. No, it doesn't just apply to that. This is the good things too. We've got to put Jesus above the best things in life. We've got to put Jesus above the things that actually are life-giving, like our marriage, our kids, our career, the things that we do to help people. All of this stuff may be very good, but it cannot be in front of Jesus. Verse 28, it continues. Jesus, he's doing his own rant. <clears throat> For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. We need to be prepared to lay down everything else as second to Jesus. Now, this is a really mighty challenge, but I think you've probably heard something like this before. And this morning, I actually want to talk about something a bit related, which is the hidden costs, the hidden cost of not following Jesus. There's a cost to follow him. It's everything. But I wonder, do we think about the cost of not To unpack this, I think we need to address a certain paradox. How is the kingdom free, but yet it costs you everything? I've been thinking about that. Jesus loves his paradoxes. Hate your mum, honour your mum. How is the kingdom of God, how is following Jesus a free gift, salvation free, but yet costs you everything? Because it seems like those things are contrary. I think it's this. Imagine that there's like a doorway or maybe a gate, maybe even a narrow gate if you want to go that far. <clears throat> and through that gate is kingdom life. It's the kingdom. It's life with Jesus. It's actually the greatest life you could ever live because it's the life that God has chosen for you. That gate is unlocked. It's open. You are permitted to walk through that gate. But the problem is, when you're carrying other stuff, you don't fit. You can't actually get through. It's not that you're not allowed. It's not that God doesn't want you there. It's that you can't take that stuff through the gate into the kingdom life. To go through the gate, you must actually lay it down and then you can go through and take on the new life that God has for you. I think this is why Jesus is so uh, intent about this. Because 
He's like, you think you're in the kingdom. You think you're a follower of me, but you're not actually through the gate. You're not actually in the kingdom because you're holding on to these other things as Lord and not me. Yes, they're good things. In fact, the, the truth is you may even gain them and more on the other side of the gate. But first, you must lay them down. You must be willing to give them all up. And then you can go through and walk in the kingdom. And that is your best life. Now, maybe it's not the easiest life. Maybe it's not the most wealthy life. Maybe it's not the happiest life. But it is the most fulfilling life. It is the most rewarding. It is the best life that you could live. It's the best thing that you could do with your time here on earth and after. And so I think we should actually be afraid of the consequences of not laying things down. We should very deeply consider the hidden cost of holding on to these things. What is it actually costing me to not walk through that gate and live in a kingdom life? Jordan Peterson, he's uh, probably the world's most famous psychologist at the moment. Uh, he's a fascinating guy. And uh, he talks about his years as a clinical psychologist seeing patients. And he says, not once have I ever seen somebody lie and get away with it. Sure, maybe people didn't find out, but it, it destroyed them. Living with a lie made them worse off than if they had told the truth. Either they had to keep doing more lies to cover it and they get tangled up in a web or somebody eventually often would find out and then the consequence of lying about that thing was worse than just admitting to your mistake in the first place. And so he says, he goes, I, I will always tell the truth. I taught my kids, you must always tell the truth. Not because I'm high and mighty or wanting to be good, but because I am terrified of not. I'm terrified of what a lie could do. It's actually more scary to me to lie than it is to tell the, the most scariest truth. And I thought, wow, this is exactly what the kingdom is about. It's a, this is what the fear of the Lord is. It's knowing I'm actually more scared of not following him than the, than the worst mess that I could get myself into. I, uh, this, this came to a head for me uh, the other week. So uh, I was at Planet Boom Conference a week before Easter. And uh, I was in my mother-in-law's car they were looking after the kids Geordie and I went to the night session and sure enough I accidentally back my mother-in-law's car into an Audi A4 and I scratched them both and there's a whole other story about my TPM moment with all that well anyway I won't go into that this morning but I remember I've, I've made this mistake highly triggered I move the car so that it's not like, you know, touching the other car anymore. And uh, I go out and I sit on a park bench and I'm just thinking, all right, what do I do? And I thought, look, there's a decision here. I could just move on, just pretend it didn't happen. Maybe they wouldn't notice. It's only a little scratch anyway. Maybe they've got insurance anyway and they don't need to know it's me, you know. But then I think about, oh, but this is a pretty new car. What if it's got surveillance? What if I lie and try and get away with scratching this car 
And then they've got dash cam footage of this car and they track me down. Don't you think that the consequence of that, I would have to pay for the repair, I would probably get in trouble with the police. I don't know. It's probably illegal to do that somewhere, right? Yep, there we go. That consequence is actually scarier to me than admitting it, leaving a note and saying, look, I'll, I'll pay and, and fix it if I have to. But often we don't think about it like that, right? We think, oh, I'll just, I'll just get, get rid of that and not worry about it now. I'll do whatever I can to bend the truth and get, get out of my consequence. But what we're actually doing is, is inviting a worse one. It's just delayed. It's coming. We don't know it. It's like a baseball when the kid's not paying attention and it gets hit for a home run and he's coming for him. He doesn't know. And then it hits him. Whack. Well, here's the crazy part about that story. I left a note. I did. Your pastor did choose the right thing. And I, I accepted my, my consequences. I did TPM, mate. That was good. That helped. Uh, and I told my father-in-law, and to my wife's utter disbelief, he said, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> She's like, this is not the father I grew up with. What's this son-in-law blessing that you have? So sure enough, he's like, don't worry about it. I was going to pay and fix some scratches anyway. It's only on the bumper. You know, it's all good. I'm like, wow. Then I get a call the next morning from Dean, the owner of the Audi. He says, wow, that's so big of you to leave a note. Um, look, it's not that bad. I think my insurance is going to cover it anyway. You don't need to worry about it. So good outcome, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to you every time. In fact, usually you tell the truth, you are going to have to reap the consequences immediately. But I just thought, you know, God, God's really showing me that His mercy is there, you know. And, and telling the truth, doing the right thing is better than trying to avoid the consequences because of the hidden costs that we don't always think about. So as I wrap up this morning, I want to just talk to you about some of the hidden costs of following the Lord, or, or I should say of not following the Lord. There's a cost to gather as the church each week. I have three children, and I am not very good at being on time anymore. I'm sure that ended when I got married, but it's gotten worse with my children. Um, they're wonderful, but I just haven't mastered the art of getting ready an hour before you're supposed to get ready. And it's hard, you know. It, it, it would seemingly be easier and cost me less to watch the stream or go once every three weeks or whatever or not, not attend this or that. But there's a hidden cost, you know. My kids might miss out on, on thriving and, and loving and knowing what it means to be a part of the body. Do I need to go to church every week? No, I don't. I'm a mature Christian. I've been a Christian a long time. I've got my own faith. I'm not on milk anymore. I'm, I'm chewing real spiritual food, but my kids aren't. So there's a hidden cost if I don't teach them. We go to church every week. Yeah, you've got a birthday party. Yeah, yeah, you've got sport, but I'm sorry, that's got to come second to gathering as the church because this is who we are. I remember missing cricket games because... We go to church on a Sunday. Oh, but my kid, they're going to miss out on the rep opportunity. This could be their career. Maybe 
but have you thought about the hidden cost of not teaching them the, the importance of church? I think that costs more than missing out on rep sport. Again, with our young people, you know, they are going to need to find belonging outside of you parents. I, I, I heard the other day there's a statistic that said young people need five adult mentors who are not mum and dad. They need five. And if there are five or more adult mentors in their church, they will stay. If there are less, there's a good chance that they won't. And so your young person is going to hit an age where they want to find belonging outside of you. And if their only culture is their school friends or maybe their Thursday night work friends or maybe the internet, the community that they find on there, you're not going to guarantee that their environment is conducive to thriving in the kingdom of God. And so by not getting your young people involved in church life, yes, it will cost you. It will cost you sleep. It will cost you petrol. It will cost you food money. It will cost you so much time driving to and from. Maybe you've got to put up with some annoying young people. But it will cost you so much greater if they don't find belonging in the body. Sometimes it's an effort for me to remember to say prayers for my kids at night. It's like, oh, I just want to get them into bed or even to say grace at the dinner table. But they, they learn and benefit so much from these little practices, these spiritual practices we build into our life. And I, I just, I love sometimes my kids will get scratched. You know, they'll scratch their knee or something. They're like, it's okay. I'm going to go to sleep tonight and Jesus will make it better. It's like they're, they're learning things. They're learning these truths and they seem super simple and maybe not quite theologically correct, but that's okay because they are, they are growing. They are growing in the kingdom and these things are going to be foundational to who they are. And yes, there's a cost for me to have to remember. I'm going to say prayers for them every night when they go to bed and I'm going to, I'm going to gather the family together and we're going to say grace before we eat a meal and, and all of these things. But there's a, a higher cost, a hidden cost of not doing that. I think about our youth camps. I know I'm talking a lot about young people, but I am your generation's pastor. You know that, right? Our youth camps, oh my goodness. I am blown away at Forever Free and Raw. Our, our, our young people and even some of our older young people have life-changing moments. Like they, they are given faith by the Lord that they've never had before at these things. But there's a, there's a cost to get them there. Sometimes it's expensive. I know we try and keep our camps as cheap as we can. I know my friend, he, he has to charge $330 per kid to do their youth camp. And that's just the price of things. We're in a very fortunate situation with our venue where we can keep the cost a bit lower. But it does cost. It costs time. You've got to put up with tired kids when they come home from camp. Maybe you've got to buy camping gear so they can sleep there. There's a lot of costs, but there's a hidden cost if they miss that life-changing moment. Do we think about these hidden costs? Do we think about the hidden cost of being selfish in our marriage? Yeah, it's convenient, but there's a hidden cost. What about having people in your home? That costs a lot. My wife's worked so hard this week. We had two parties this weekend and uh, it's, it's fantastic, but man, it's a lot of work. But there's a hidden cost if we don't do that we don't develop oikos and family what is the cost 
of not obeying what the Lord has asked you to do. Have you thought about that? Yeah, it will cost you to follow him. Oh, but you don't know what he's asked me. Yeah, I know that it costs you. Maybe you've got to give up your career. Maybe you've got to move. Maybe you've got to make a real big change in your habits that's very, very difficult to make. Maybe you've got to give up that thing that you love that brings you comfort. I don't know. But I tell you, it'll cost you more to not do it in the long run. And we hate hidden costs, right? Yes. Jesus said, what builder would build without first counting the cost? What king would go to war without first counting the cost? And so as we wrap up this morning, in fact, why don't you stand with me? The band's going to play play a song and I want to invite you to just reflect for a moment. You don't have to sing along. Have you counted the hidden costs? Have you thought about them? What is it that the Lord has asked you to do? What is the cost of not doing that? What would you miss out on if you ignored his voice? Maybe you do know, yeah, I know what it costs to follow Jesus, but do you know what it costs to not? Let's take a few moments. I can't tell you what yours is. They're hidden to me, but hopefully God will shine a light on them to you. Because it's inspired me, you know. The kingdom life is the best life that you could live. It is the best undisputed, not the happiest necessarily, not the wealthiest, not the easiest, but it is the best life you could live. And I don't want you to miss out on that. Neither does Jesus. Thanks, team.